say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The taco. We've all had one, no matter where we live. In its simplest form, it's a tortilla, meat, cheese, and sauce. But did you know there were hundreds of variations? My name is Rob Gogi. I'm a film and television composer born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I'm also a connoisseur of tacos, and I wrote a book called Taco City Los Angeles, exploring tacos and chefs in my city and what inspires them to make the tacos that they do. This show will delve deeper into the taquerias of Los Angeles, and I'll teach you how to make them. Welcome to Taco City. Huge thanks to Wink for supporting Taco City. For $22 off your first order, go to trywink.com slash taco city or text taco city to 25829. As you weave north on Figueroa Street through the crowded grid of downtown Los Angeles, past the towering skyscrapers and commuters, the 110 freeway keeping parallel pace with you, you'll head into Chinatown. North of the Staples Center, this small town town neighborhood has been around for 50 years. In the evening, it's a vibrant mix of hipsters and the working class visiting its hidden speakeasies and Asian fusion dishes. But if you push a little further, Past the hotels and glitz, you'll find a hidden gem, an authentic taste of old Mexico, housed in a brown building with a glowing yellow sign that simply says, Mexicali. Before Mexicali Taco Company was a restaurant, it was a stand on the corner of First and Beaudry in downtown LA. But let's take it back a bit further. Mexicali, Mexico is the capital of the state of Baja, California. Founded on March 14, 1903, it sits on the California-Mexico border, just south of El Centro, California. The name is a combination of Mexico and California, and the area was established by the Spaniards. In 1900, with permission from Mexican President Porfirio Diaz, the United States created a canal linking Mexicali with the Colorado River. Los Angeles Times publisher Harry Chandler, who owned 800,000 hectares of land in Baja, California, hired Chinese laborers to help build an irrigation system, infusing the area with Chinese influence and culture. At the time, there was a lot of anti-Chinese sentiment amongst the American workers, and a law was passed in 1882 banning Chinese immigrants from entering the United States which resulted in many of them settling in Mexico and South America. In fact, the Border Patrol today was born from that law and was initially organized to keep Chinese immigrants out of the United States. Mexico, however, welcomed them with open arms and they took jobs as laborers in towns like Mexicali. This eventually led to the Asalto a las Tierras or Assault on the Lands in 1937, which resulted in Mexicans taking back their land. 
Initially, Mexicali was known for its cotton. In the early 1950s, it produced the most cotton in all of Mexico. Mexicali is also a large producer of agriculture. It's one of the leading exporters of broccoli, carrots, lettuce, peppers, radishes, and tomatoes. This is because the land there is so fertile. The Chinese influence still permeates Mexicali today, and Chinese immigrants still migrate to the region. The resulting fusion when it comes to cuisine is unlike any Chinese food or Mexican food you've ever had. For instance, you'll find chilies asados, which are fried yellow chilies served in a lemon sauce with salt. Chinese immigrants used Mexican ingredients in their food because that's what was available to them. So things like chilies and jicama became part of their recipes. When it comes to tacos, most of the Baja Peninsula prefer corn tortillas. But Mexicali drums to their own beat. They prefer the Sonoran style of handmade flour tortillas. Americans in general are partial to flour over corn tortillas when they're soft-shelled. It's a taste they're used to, and it's overutilized in fast food chains and restaurants that include Mexican food in their repertoire. These flour tortillas aren't like the ones that you'd find in your local grocery chain. They're light and layered almost like phyllo dough or biscuits, lightly transparent but durable, and so buttery and light that they melt on your tongue, which is exactly how they're done at Mexicali Taco Company. Ezra Ochoa and his childhood friend Javier Fragoso started Mexicali as a cart in downtown Los Angeles on the corner of First and Beaudry, not far from the Frank Gehry Design Disney Concert Hall. In May of 2009, they started with a Costco grill and propane tanks and a truck. You might drive by them without a second glance, writing them off as another one of the scores of taco stands that pop up downtown every night and disappear just as quickly. But Ezra's and Javier had a secret weapon. They grew up together playing soccer in Mexicali before moving to the U.S. just on the other side of the border in Calexico. Ezra's, a graduate of the Fashion Institute, longed for the flavors and style of his hometown, and he couldn't find it in Los Angeles, just hours away from the border. So he decided to bring Mexicali to LA. They decided to set up on First and Beaudry, a block away from another taco vendor who had long lines of hungry customers every night. Ezra's and Javier had snuck over and taste tested that guy's tacos. They weren't impressed. Yet here this guy was for seven years, making money hand over fist every single night. This is going to be easy, they thought. We've got better product. We're going to clean up. But that didn't happen. The first night they were there, in seven hours, they made a grand total of $60. A few nights later, in the pouring rain, it was even worse. Ezra's turned to Javier. Man, I don't know. Maybe this isn't our thing. Javier sighed, rain dripping off the edge of his ball cap. We've got to pay the price, man. We've got the best product out here. The people will come. We just need to be patient. Ezra's nodded in agreement. Sure, they had customers, but not many of them. And Ezra's dream of quitting his day job was not coming to fruition. They were out there, rain or shine, trying to sell their tacos to the masses. Ezra's thought about giving up that first month, but something inside him told him to hold on just a little bit longer. And it's a good thing he did. Slowly, they started to get customers, often just random people who were driving by looking for a quick bite. 
Then they noticed that people were coming back multiple nights in a row. Some customers literally eating there six days a week. They were developing a cult following organically. About three months in, a food blogger stopped by the stand and ordered some tacos. He was blown away and went home to write about this little stand on a dark corner in downtown LA on Twitter. And that tweet got retweeted over and over. And Ezra's realized that they too should set up a Twitter account for the stand because their customers were starting to come. It didn't take long before word of mouth spread and the tacos at Mexicali were becoming legendary. Ezra's and Javier set up tables and chairs, started making t-shirts and business cards, and even brought a boombox for some ambience. Ezra's tried to keep a low profile because they weren't permitted or licensed, so they were always one bad night away from getting shut down. For two and a half years, they cooked carne asada on that sidewalk cart in the middle of Los Angeles, never getting shut down. Until the night they did. One of Mexicali's customers was real estate developer Paul Yu. Paul ate at Mexicali regularly and developed a relationship with Ezra's. One day, Paul asked Ezra's if he wanted to move the cart into a brick and mortar building and take Mexicali to the next level. And that night, the health department showed up at the cart to shut them down. The timing was perfect. While Paul searched for location, Ezra's and Javier moved the cart east to the Arts District, a few miles from the original spot, on a friend's property, to keep the momentum going while they readied the move to the big leagues. They lost half their business in the move, and they needed a new location, stat. Ezra's, during his daily commute to the stand and back, passed a building on the corner of Figueroa and Bartlett Street, just north of downtown. The building was vacant, but he realized that it had potential, and it wasn't that far from their original location. So he reached out to Paul. The place needed some work. It wasn't designed well for what they wanted, and it wasn't the best location in terms of business traffic. But they were desperate and needed to get into a location before they lost all their momentum. They moved into the building in September of 2011, and their Twitter following responded in mass. Initially, there was some culture shock for Ezra's when they went from a stand on the street to a brick-and-mortar location. Selling tacos on the corner with no rent, no overhead, no insurance or permits to pay for, their profit margin was 60%. But even a successful brick-and-mortar restaurant might only make 15% profit in comparison. He felt like they had to start over again from scratch. But he had zero doubts about his product, and he knew that if he was patient, people would come. For me personally, Mexicali was the stuff of legends before I ever stepped foot in the restaurant. Multiple friends had been there and raved about their food. Every time I made an attempt to go, something came up. So by the time I finally stepped foot in the restaurant, my anticipation was high. It's very easy for someone to tell you that a place has the best tacos in Los Angeles. Everyone's taste is subjective. So I went in with some reservation. Those reservations were gone after the first bite. When you step foot in Mexicali Taco for the first time, you'll find yourself in a homey dining room, order counter on one side, and bright red family-style benches on the other. The spicy aroma of the salsa bar fills your nostrils from the far corner. Red, green, roasted, avocado, any style you think you might want is there. You step up to the counter and order, all while watching the hustle going on in the open space kitchen 
and you realize that aromatic splendor you've been inhaling is the meat on the grill, sizzling and marinating the room. There are menus by the register, but trust me, you just need to order a couple of Mexicali tacos with carne asada. You can get them with corn or flour tortillas, but Ezra's would tell you that flour with melted cheese on top is the way it's done back home in Mexicali. The ingredients at Mexicali Taco Company are locally sourced. Ezra still travels to Mexicali for flour tortillas once a month or so, because, well, once you taste them, you'll know why. The crown jewel of Mexicali Taco is the award-winning melt-in-your-mouth carne asada. Ezra says the key is good quality beef. They get it fresh daily. He slices the meat, places it on the grill, seasons it, and when it's done cooking, they chop it up. He'll tell you that it's one of the simplest things in the world to make, and his secret is that they don't take shortcuts. The meat is never frozen. It's not pre-marinated. Everything is done daily before they open. If the meat isn't up to snuff or the wrong cut, they'll send it back. Carne asada in Mexicali, Mexico is grilled over mesquite, which is a hardwood. In the United States, because of FDA regulations, it's illegal to cook using that method. So Ezra's does the next best thing. He uses a gas grill with mesquite wood, which gives their asada a unique smoky flavor. Ezra says the key to a good taco is great salsa. The salsas at Mexicali Taco are chunky with vegetables they grill themselves. Ezra's believes that people should decide themselves what should go on the taco instead of pairing it in the kitchen. So they let their customers choose which salsa to add. Everything is made in-house and blended together. No cans, no frozen ingredients. The tacos at Mexicali Taco won't fall apart in your hand. They've spent a lot of time finding the right formula, the right ingredients, to make the taco experience in the restaurant a premium one. The meat in a carne asada taco at Mexicali practically melts in your mouth. There are levels upon levels of flavor, and it's best experienced, for the first time, naked without salsa. It's the best way to take in all the flavors of the mesquite, the seasoned grill, the marinade. Then try a bite with the creamy avocado sauce, tangy and rich. Then the rojo and the verde salsas. This is why you need to get at least two or three tacos. And the grilled green onions on your plate. Very quickly, you'll understand why it's been called the best carne asada taco in Los Angeles by multiple food magazines and bloggers for many years in a row. I have a funny story to tell about the first time I met Esdras. Um, we had conversed back and forth via Twitter through the Mexicali Twitter account for years. Um, I was a huge promoter of his restaurant and his brand and constantly pushed people to go there. The first time I showed up in his restaurant, we were doing pre-interviews for a possible Taco City show a few years ago, and I walked in with two producers and the host, um, and everyone jumped up from the table when he walked in the room to say hi, and he made a beeline for me and put out his hand to shake my hand and told me how excited he was to meet me in person and how appreciative he was of all I'd done to help Mexicali. Um, and it blew me away. It just meant so much to me that he had been paying attention to what I had been tweeting about and that he was overjoyed to meet me. Whereas I felt I was the one excited to meet him. 
Um, and it started a, a great friendship. Um, I asked Ezra why he does it, why he devotes his life and time to making food for people, and he points to an older couple in the corner of the restaurant. The woman takes a bite of the taco, looks up at her husband, and smiles. It's the people, he tells me. The appreciation people give him for the type of food he makes, and the heart and soul that goes into the recipes, the process, the plating. People think Mexican food is chimichangas and burrito, he'll tell you, but Mexico is divided by many regions, many cultures, and many different styles of cooking. Tacos are becoming a staple of American food, like hot dogs and hamburgers. They're simple, they're comforting, they're easy to make at home. He wants to share it with the world. His advice to others? Pursue your dream. If you don't have the passion and desire for something, it's not going to work out. Believe in your product, and selling it will come naturally. And that advice has worked out well for Ezra Ochoa and Mexicali Taco Company. Mexicali Taco is located at 702 North Figueroa Street at Bartlett Street, just north of downtown Los Angeles, zip code 90012. Their website is mexicalitaco.com. They're open 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. during the week and midnight and Friday on Saturdays. There's generally plenty of street parking available on either Figueroa or one of the neighborhood streets surrounding the restaurant. You can find Mexicali Taco on Twitter at Mexicali Taco Co. and on Instagram at Mexicali Taco. All of this info will also be up on our website, which is robgoki.com slash taco city. Currently, Ezra Socho is in Hong Kong, bringing his Mexican cooking and flavors to a brand new audience in a new restaurant. He also opened Salazar in the Frogtown portion of Los Angeles, which hosted the launch for my book, Taco City, last year. All that talk about carne asada tacos has made me hungry. So how about we make some? My wife and I love to drink wine, and we're always searching for a wine club that'll bring a great selection of wines to our door. So we were really excited to try Wink. Wink custom tailors wines to the taste of the individual consumer and delivers three bottles of wine each month to your doorstep for 39 bucks, plus a flat $6 shipping rate. On top of that, new members get $22 off your first order, and you get four bottles of wine and free shipping. It was easy. We went to Wink's website, took a 20-second palette profile quiz, and we got instant wine recommendations. All the wines in the box are great. One of my favorites is the Throwback Thursday wine, which is a rosé. It was delicious. I'm not a big fan of sweet wines. This was perfect. It had a lot of flavor, and it wasn't too sweet. To receive your own $22 credit and free shipping on four bottles of wine on your first order, go to trywink.com slash tacocity. And thanks again to Wink for supporting Taco City. In this part of the podcast, I'll be walking you through making carnes out of tacos in real time. So grab your earbuds and phone and head into the kitchen, and I'll talk you through your own asada tacos. There's some ingredients you're going to need from the store before we start. Number one is steak. The better the cut you can afford, the better the taco will taste. But I can tell you from experience that you can still buy inexpensive steak and make these tacos taste awesome. This time around, I have some beef chuck steak. Um, 
that I got from the local carniceria, but you can also get it at your local grocery store. Um, top sirloin is the best, but I've used flank and top round as well. You're gonna need one to two pounds for about four people, which will leave you some leftovers, which is always a good thing. You're going to need the juice of one large orange, two bunches of cilantro, uh, two small red onions, and, and half of these ingredients will be used in the marinade, and half of them will be condiments for the tacos. The last part of the marinade is seasoning. I prefer to use Chef Morita's carne asada or Sazonador Supremas. I generally purchase both of these from my local carniceria, which is a Mexican market, but I know that Chef Morito products are more widely available. In fact, a friend of mine who lives in Florida uh, bought them the first store that he looked at. So uh, Chef Morito is probably the easiest one for you to get. It's basically a mix of spices, garlic, chili powder, salt, pepper. It's kind of an all-in-one seasoning in the same way that Italian seasoning is all-in-one if you're gonna make Italian food. So if you can't find this at all, you can substitute with chili powder, garlic, salt, and pepper. Also, you wanna add some salsa or hot sauce to your finished taco. In a future episode, I'm gonna teach you how to make your own salsas, red or rojo, green or verde, and an avocado salsa that you're going to wanna to eat with a spoon because it's that good. But for now, grab whatever hot sauce or salsa you prefer. The last thing you need is tortillas. I use corn tortillas nine out of 10 times. They're better suited for the meat than standard flour tortillas that you're going to get at your local grocery store. Corn tortillas taste great and they're actually vegan and gluten-free. A good friend of mine from Tucson occasionally brings me Mexicali style flour tortillas that are made from wheat flour. Um, the brand is Don Pancho and they're carried by Sonora Food Import Company. I would recommend these if you're going to go with flour, but obviously most of us don't have access to them, uh, including me. I've yet to find ones like them or those themselves in Los Angeles. I've reached out to Sonora Imports to see if there are other ways to order them, and if I get an answer, I'll update you guys in a future episode. So the first thing we're gonna do is chop the ingredients for the marinade. Um, you're going to want a large bowl or a, um, some kind of a plate that's got sides on it or a bowl that you can marinate the steak in. So I'm going to grab a bowl. So the marinade for the carne asada is actually very simple. It's, um, you probably wanna take one of your small onions, um, or if you just get one large onion, cut the onion in half, then use half of it for um, the top of the tacos and the other half of it for the marinade. Now when you're cutting the onion for the tacos, you're going to wanna cut the pieces very small. Um, you're gonna dice it very tiny. But for the marinade, because we're just trying to get the flavor of the onion, you can actually do slices of onions. So if you, you know, cut onion half circles or half onion rings, um, that'll be fine for, just for the purposes of the steak. And you want, you basically want to lay the steak in the pan uh, or in the bowl that you've got and spread it out. And then all of the marinade ingredients will go on top of it. Um, so I'm laying my steak and I'm spreading my onion around it. Uh, next, I'm going to add the cilantro. You can get away with just buying one bunch of cilantro and using uh, half of it for the marinade and half of it for your tacos. Cilantro is an acquired taste for some. 
Genetically, there are people who eat cilantro and it actually tastes like soap just because of the way that their body is designed. Some people just don't like it. My wife does not like cilantro. She doesn't mind if I marinate with it, but she will not eat it raw on anything. So I've chopped the cilantro up roughly and I've spread it on top of the beef. And now I'm going to take the orange and squeeze the juice of the orange onto the carne asada. So the orange juice is going on top. You can use a juicer, or if you get an orange that's ripe enough, you basically just cut it in half and squeeze it. Don't worry about the seeds, because again, we're, mar we're just marinating with this, so you're just gonna be cooking the meat by itself. And then the final step is the Chef Marito carne asada seasoning, and you just wanna liberally spread that over the top of the meat. And then we're gonna let this meat marinate. You can prepare the meat overnight and marinate it in the refrigerator the night before. The longer it marinades, the better it will taste. However, most of the time when I decide I'm gonna make tacos, it might marinate for an hour. Sometimes it's even less than that. I end up just marinating it during the time that I'm prepping everything else. So it's totally up to you. Don't feel like you have to make the decision the night before that you're gonna have these and they're not gonna turn out well because honestly, they'll still taste good if you marinate it for 10 or 15 minutes before you take it and cook it. So we're gonna set that aside. While we're letting that marinade, we'll cut up the onion and the cilantro as a topping for the tacos. When you go to Mexico, and, or, or even in Los Angeles, if you get tacos from a truck or from a, a genuine taqueria, the first time you go into one, you might be surprised to find that the only toppings that they have, in the, most cases, are cilantro and onion. Um, often the tacos are served with just meat on a tortilla, and you put your own toppings on top, but there's no lettuce, no cheese, no tomato. Those are all very American things. Obviously, you're making these tacos yourself, so you can do whatever you'd like to do. My wife often prefers tomato on her taco or cabbage. So sometimes I'll make sure I've got those ingredients handy so that she can make her tacos the way she wants. I prefer them with onions and cilantro and hot sauce and maybe some avocado. Uh, okay, so we've chopped up our onions and I set those aside. The cilantro, you just kind of want to, you want to chop it up pretty small um, and include the stems. Uh, cilantro in the fridge chops will actually last three or four days, so you're fine for leftovers. Um, with both of these, onions have about the same shelf life before they start to get watery and lose their flavor. Generally with these tacos, they don't last more than an extra day in the house before they're gone. But often in our house, there is a constant supply of cilantro and onion in the refrigerator. Okay, if you're done chopping up the onions and cilantro and you're ready to cook, um, you can either keep going and cook right now or you can pause the show and come back in 30 minutes, an hour, uh, however long you'd like to marinate the steak for. If you want to do it in the afternoon and then come back in the evening and cook it, that works too. I don't know about you, but the smell of cutting cilantro and onions always makes me hungry, so I'm ready to cook some carne asada. So grab your meat. And really, the onions and the cilantro are there for the marinade. So you want to shake them off um, when you go to cook because um, you're not cooking with them. However, you can cook with them if you'd like. 
So I have a pan on high heat, super high, no oil, just dry, and I'm dropping my steak straight into the pan. And preferably, you'd like your steak to be um, all touching the bottom of the pan um, so that every all the surfaces are covered. If you have too much, then it's okay if it overlaps a little bit. You're just gonna want to make sure that you turn it so that the steak cooks all the way through. Now this cut that I have and the cuts that are often used in the restaurant are fairly thin. Um, you know, you're not, you're not doing um, you know, a T-bone steak or a porterhouse. So it's gonna cook fairly quickly. You just wanna make sure that it's brown on both sides. Obviously you cook the steak the way that you would, you would prefer to have your steak cooked. If you like steak well done, then by all means cook it all the way through. Um, I prefer my steak a little bit um, pink in the middle, um, but this steak is so thin that, that honestly it's going to cook all the way through before you, when you get ready to pull it off, you'll notice that it's cooked. Um, the trick with the steak, if you can, is to leave it on one side for two to three minutes and then flip it once it's got a sear. And once you've seared both sides, it's probably done. So it's not gonna take more than six to eight minutes for this to cook, unless you bought some really thick steak. One optional method is to cut the steak up in little pieces before you cook it. Um, I don't recommend doing it this way because um, the steak tends to retain its juice better when it's in a whole piece and you cut it after you're finished. Um, and raw steak is a little harder to cut than cooked steak. Um, again, it's your preference. I think before I knew better, I actually used to cut the steak up ahead of time. Um, just thinking I was saving time by cutting it into small pieces. Coming along pretty good. Almost cooked on both sides. Flipping my pieces over now. This steak that I bought has bones in the middle of it, so it's a little harder to manage. Um, at my local carnisteria, which is called Adlong Market, it's up the street from me, uh, I used to walk in and order the steak and just tell them I wanted carne asada, and they would grab the steak and marinate it for me. Um, but I noticed that some of the butchers uh, don't really like to marinate it, and they'll do it for you if you ask, but I could see them roll their eyes when uh, they need to do it for me. So. One time when I was in there, I watched the ingredients they added, and then I bought those ingredients, and I just took it home. And it's actually easier, and I prefer to do my own, to just marinate it at home. It gives me the option of picking whatever steak I'd like, because generally the flank steak that they use is more expensive cut um, than like top round. And they'll both work perfectly fine for tacos. As a substitute for these tacos, if you are not a beef eater, you could use pork or chicken. We'll have recipes in other episodes, um, and I'll teach you how to make chicken tacos and mole sauce and um, carnitas tacos and um, many, many other things. Uh, some that are vegetarian and some that are vegan, as well as different cuts of meat. Okay, it looks like my steak is just about done, so I'm going to grab 
a different cutting board because you want to make sure you keep your meat and um, your non-meat products on separate cutting boards so that you don't cross-contaminate. And I'm going to take the steak and let it rest for a few minutes. I'm pulling it out of the pan and putting it on the cutting board. Um, and you want to let it rest for uh, five minutes, maybe between five and ten, just so that the juices have time to settle inside the steak. So while we're waiting for our steak to rest, we're gonna heat up our tortillas. So grab your package of tortillas. Um, this week, I'm using the Guerrero tortillas that I got out of the store. They are about eight or nine inches in diameter. You can find them as small as six. Sometimes I like to do the six inch ones, which are much more the taco truck style that you'll find in a uh, truck. Uh, but I'm going to use the slightly larger ones. You can also find them even bigger. They're more like, 12 inches, um, obviously you eat less of those tacos because you can fit more on them. This is a good size, this is like a four or five bite taco. So I have a tortilla warmer that a friend, a good friend of mine, his father made it for him in Mexico. He actually gave it to my wife as a gift um, before I even met her. Uh, it's made of cast iron and it's, it's just a flat cast iron pan that goes right on the stove and you heat it up and it's made just for tortillas, for cooking tortillas or for reheating them. But you can use any pan, uh, nonstick or steel. Um, cast iron is best. And you just want to heat the pan up to, to the max. You want to turn it on high heat and get it really warm. And then you're going to lay the tortilla on top. And you want to flip it fairly quickly. You're going to put it on and it's been on for about five seconds. I'm going to flip the tortilla already. I'm gonna leave it on for about 10 seconds. Um, the key is to keep flipping it back and forth because you're just heating it up and browning it a little bit and trying to crisp up the tortilla. Microwavable is not preferred, but if, if it's your only option, you can microwave them, but they tend to get very pliable and also fall apart. This is the best method without adding oil to the recipe. Another way to do these would be to dip them in canola oil and fry them a little bit so that they are, are fried on both sides. I'm giving you the healthier option. Let's build our taco. Uh, take your tortilla that's uh, now heated and a little crispy on both sides. It might have some black spots um, here there where it charred a little bit, that's fine. Um, add a spoonful or two of the meat, the steak. Uh, then you're gonna add a little bit of cilantro and a little bit of onion and some hot sauce. And there's your taco. And just repeat that about six or 12 or 15 times. And then you've got it. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Taco City. We'll be back next week with a new episode and a new recipe. Taco City is a Rob Gokey production. It's written and produced by me. And all original music is also composed by me. You can find more information about the music at robgogi.com music and more information about the podcast and see photos of the restaurant and the recipe for this week's episode at robgogi.com slash taco city. Say goodbye. 
your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.